This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. From about 15 years on up, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am evil. Not 100%, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. Hello again, and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast. This is Alyssa Carroll, and I am your host and the creator of at serial underscore killing on Instagram, where we go through the life stories of serial killers to see if we might catch a glimpse of why they displayed their famous file and disturbing behaviors. Hey guys, I really want to hear from you and include you in a near future podcast episode. Send me any thoughts, hypotheses, or questions you have about previously covered serial killers or questions you might have for me in general by leaving me a voice message on my Anchor profile. You might just hear yourself in a future podcast. Go to anchor.fm backslash serial hyphen killing and click on the message button. Hope to hear from you soon. This week's podcast will be on Ivan Malat. Ivan Robert Marco Malat was born on December 27, 1944 in Guildford, New South Wales, Australia. And as always, let's get into some history for that time. In 1944, World War II was in full swing. Operation Overlord, codenamed D-Day, where 155,000 Allied troops landed on the beaches of Normandy, France. Paris was also liberated from the Nazi occupation. Russia and the Polish Home Army liberated Poland from the Nazis, and U.S. forces liberated Rome and Italy. The siege of Leningrad, St. Petersburg, ended this year. The Nazis targeted Leningrad for its symbolic significance as the home of the Russian Revolution, as well as its strategic significance as an important manufacturing hub for the Soviet Union. Over one million people died, mostly from starvation. In the Philippines, the Battle of Lake Gulf took place in October. It was considered one of the largest naval battles in world history. The U.S., Australian, and Filipino forces began the invasion of Japanese-occupied Philippines by landing in the Gulf. The Japanese suffered heavy losses of their navy and marked their first infamous kamikaze aerial attacks. In India, 
Mahatma Gandhi, who had been arrested for encouraging civil unrest and uprisings against the British at the height of World War II, was finally released from jail. He was assassinated four years later. Iceland gained its independence from Denmark this year and became its own republic. In fact, 98% of the population came out to vote and 90% voted for independence. Also in 1944, an earthquake in Argentina killed nearly 10,000 people. In Australia, meat rationing began due to the war. There were bushfires in the Western District, Gippsland, and Yalorn regions of Victoria that killed 51 people. And side note, much love to Australia right now, considering almost all of it is on fire. We love you. So in all, this was the atmosphere that Ivan was born into. Now, Ivan's father was Stephen. He was an immigrant from Yugoslavia. Ivan's mother was Margaret Piddleston. Stephen and Margaret met when Stephen was 32, and Margaret was just 14. And they got married in 1936 at 34 and 16. In total, the couple had 14 children together. Ivan was number five. There were also two infants who died. They lived about 22 miles west of Sydney in a weatherboard cottage with nothing but a dirt floor. And for the most part, they kept to themselves. They were a very close-knit family. Stephen worked so hard as a wharf laborer to try to support his large family. His work was described as grueling, and he worked 10-plus-hour shifts. By the time he got home, it was after dark, and he was exhausted. And not only was he exhausted, but he was also usually not in the greatest of moods. Stephen, who drank heavily, and Margaret would get into these loud and sometimes vicious fights. One of the brothers stated that their father hit their mother regularly. And yet, when it came time for the children to be disciplined, their mother's temper was nothing to trifle with either. She hit one of the boys in the arm with a knife once, making this huge gash. And another time she hit one of the boys with a tomato steak so hard that it broke his arm. The family moved around a little bit, first to Rosmore where Stephen helped farm, then on to Moorbank. There they lived in a large, I mean basically shed, and the children slept on a mattress on the floor. As the children became old enough, and I mean barely old enough, they were expected to help out with the farm work. The children also went to a private Catholic school. Stephen would also often have to have a second job. Mostly he would do stonemasonry or work as a laborer. But Ivan's parents sacrificed and, you know, they did what they could to support this very large family. One of Ivan's brothers, Boris, later stated that Ivan displayed psychopathic and antisocial tendencies from the tender age of 10 years old. He said that Ivan had a longing to cause pain and that it, quote, 
was simply built into him, unquote. He was described as a beautiful baby, a very handsome boy, and this was something that did not go unnoticed by Ivan. He took time and pride in grooming himself to look the best he could, and he got a lot of attention. Ivan and his brothers loved knives and guns, and particularly loved to go hunting. Along with their love of guns was being pretty well acquainted with the local authorities, so much so that the police did have to sometimes come pay a visit to the Malat family at their home to address suspected criminal behavior. One of Ivan's brothers later said in an interview that he believed Ivan had used a machete and cut a dog in half. Now, by the age of 13, Ivan had caused so much mayhem in the local community that he was sent to Christian Brothers, Liverpool, and Boys Town, a residential school for kids with, you know, discipline problems. From the age of 17, he was consistently in trouble with both the police and the courts. He had been charged with breaking into houses, car thefts, and armed robbery. He became a legal adult while in juvenile detention. Also at 17, Ivan confessed to his brother Boris that he had accidentally, this is in air quotes, accidentally shot a taxi driver while trying to rob him. The bullet entered the driver's spine, leaving him paralyzed from the waist down. So that was Ivan's childhood. Now we automatically know that violence was something he was born into. We know his father drank heavily, and though he did work incredibly hard to support his enormous family, he was violent toward his wife. Ivan's mother spent most of her youngerish adult life pregnant, having been pregnant 16 times and raising 14 children. And, you know, with that many children comes the impossible task of trying to keep them all, uh, you know, contained. Sure, it's mentioned that the discipline their mother doled out was harsh, but I just can't see that she was able to keep an eye on all of them. With this comes a lot less parental supervision and a lot more sibling supervision. And children are just not equipped with the mental maturity to parent their younger siblings, and they really shouldn't have to. But most do try their best. According to the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health, lapses or the absence of parental supervision have been linked to antisocial and risky behaviors, poor school performance, physical and sexual abuse, and many other harmful consequences for children. When Ivan's mother was forced to intervene in a, you know, disciplinary fashion, it was usually with violence, as we see that one of Ivan's brothers was cut with a knife, making a critical wound on his arm by his own mother. Another time, she broke one of her children's arms. But we have also been told by one of Ivan's brothers that while he seemed pretty normal when he was little, he began displaying what he described as psychopathic traits at just 10 years old. This brother stated that he knew eventually Ivan would be a murderer. 
Now, it's hard to analyze that because the information is, of course, biased, coming from a sibling. But I think we can all agree that Ivan most likely did display troubling antisocial behavior from a young age. It has been said that, as a younger teen, Ivan used a machete to cut a dog literally in half. Now, we've talked a lot in past podcasts about the disturbing truth about kids who torture and kill animals. Children who do this have developmentally related motivations, such as curiosity or exploration, or they do it for mood enhancement, sexual gratification, post-traumatic play, imitation, and in this case, rehearsal for interpersonal violence, that's what I believe, and even a vehicle for emotional abuse. Now for the age range for when Ivan did this to this dog, and I'm going to make an assumption he probably did it to more than just the one dog, is referred to as the cry for help child, but also spills into the conduct disordered, according to Psychology Today. A history of animal cruelty during childhood is significantly associated with antisocial personality traits. These traits in children present as hostility, disobedience, verbal and physical abuse. They indeed often steal or destroy property. Now this is now this is manageable, but if it isn't addressed, it can and often leads to more severe problems in adulthood. The risk factors for antisocial behavior in children include school and neighborhood environment, poor and negative parenting practices, violent, unstable, tumultuous home life, and genetics or a family history. And Ivan kind of ticks all these boxes. Also, as a side note, children with ADHD have been found to be at a at least higher risk of developing antisocial behavior. And then finally, his behavior was such that he was sent to a juvenile detention center not once, but twice, and the structured environment did not seem to help him better understand, monitor, and control his own behavior. And then by the time he was 17, he had shot and permanently disabled a taxi driver and showed no remorse. So let's get back into it. In 1964, when Ivan was 20 years old, he was again sentenced to 18 months in prison for breaking and entering, and not even a month after he was released, he was again arrested for driving a stolen car. He was then sentenced to two years hard labor. Then three years later, he was sentenced to another three years for theft. In 1971, at 27 years old, he was charged with kidnapping two 18-year-old hitchhikers, and he raped one of them. One of the girls later testified that he had been wielding a knife during the attack. Now, he must have made bail because before his trial for the kidnapping and rape, he and his brothers committed a string of robberies. Ivan then faked his own death, he faked a suicide, and fled to New Zealand for a year. After that year, he returned to Australia to visit his mother, who was ill at the time, in Prince Alfred Hospital, 
and managed to lay low for a bit, but was finally caught and arrested when his brother turned him in to the police. Side note, that brother turned him in because he hated Ivan for having repeated affairs with his own wife. And actually, Ivan's brother's daughter was actually Ivan's daughter. So anyway, after he was arrested again, and when the case went to trial, the prosecution failed. He was then released, and he decided to start working as a truck driver. Ivan also started having an affair with another one of his brother's wives as well. Ivan then met 16-year-old Karen Duck in 1975. He was 31 years old. Now, Karen was already pregnant with one of his cousin's babies. But he and Karen dated, they got married in 1983, but then she left him four years later due to the domestic violence that she suffered at his hands, which was brutal. But now being a truck driver suited Ivan very well. He was able to travel up and down the highways, seeing so many of the people that traveled to Australia to go backpacking around the beautiful and untouched landscapes. Then it was considered a safe and inexpensive way to have an adventure until they began to disappear in 1978. So in September of 1992, two people were out for a run in the Belanglio State Forest when they discovered decomposed human remains. The bodies had been facing down. Their hands had, at the time of their murder, been behind their backs. The runners immediately called the police, and once the police got there, they found another decomposed body not 100 feet away from the first. The bodies would later be identified as missing backpackers from England, 21-year-old Caroline Clark and 22-year-old Joanne Walters, last seen five months before in King's Cross. Evidence showed that the two girls had been brutally murdered. One had been stabbed 14 times, four times in the chest, once in the neck, and nine times in her back. The other girl had been shot 10 times in the head as if he had been using her head for target practice, or that's what the authorities believed. A year later, a man was out foraging for firewood, and he stumbled upon the skeletal remains of 19-year-olds Deborah Everest and James Gibson, who had been missing for four years. James had been stabbed eight times with what appeared to be a large knife that cut through his upper spine, as well as stab wounds to his back and chest that would have punctured his heart and his lungs. Deborah had been severely beaten, as evidenced by the two fractures in her skull. Her jaw was also broken, and there were knife marks on the forehead of her skull. She had also been stabbed at least once in the back. Now, at first, the authorities didn't want to publicly admit that there was most likely a serial killer on the loose. Dr. Rod Milton, who analyzed the murders and put together the criminal profile, 
concluded that the killer was most likely in his mid-30s with a history of aggression and would be intimately familiar with the surrounding terrain as well as motivated by the pleasure of inflicting pain. They at first thought that, you know, perhaps there were two people committing these murders. And you know, there's always been a little bit of suspicion that one of Ivan's brothers helped. But regardless, the investigators set up this large task force and a massive manual search of the extended Belonglo forest area was initiated. It took almost a month before the next victim was found in November of 1993. German citizen Simone Schmeidel had been missing for two years after planning to hitchhike south from Sydney in search of work. Just like the other two crime scenes, they found a small kind of crude sort of fireplace that had been built by the body along with matching shell cases. Three days later, the extensive search of the forest produced two more victims German youths who had been missing for two years. The two had met similar fates as the previous victims, only the female's head had been cut off completely and was missing. It's actually never been found. The authorities decided that it was time to announce that there was a serial killer on the loose. Now the police had suspects, of course, and Ivan was on their list but there just wasn't enough evidence to act on and arrest him. But finally in April of 1994, a British man named Paul Onions came forward with a harrowing story. He had been backpacking through Australia when he decided to hitchhike to Mildura. He was picked up by a man who said his name was, quote, Bill. Then less than a mile from the state forest, Bill pulled over. And once the vehicle was stopped, Ivan stated he was going to get some cassettes out from under his seat so that they'd have some music to listen to. Ivan then pulled out a gun. He pointed it at Paul and reached for some ropes he also had stashed in his vehicle. At this point, Paul quickly exited the vehicle and he ran as hard and as fast as he could. And Ivan shouted, stop, I'll shoot, but call but Paul kept running. His instincts told him that if he stopped, he would be killed anyway. So he jumped in front of this woman's car. You know, she had to slam on the brakes. Paul jumped in. He was shouting, he's got a gun, help me. She threw her car in reverse and slammed on the accelerator and got away. Paul told the authorities that Ivan had had a smirk on his face as they drove away. So after Peter came forward, the authorities immediately flew him back to Australia to have him identify Ivan in a video lineup. Once he positively identified Ivan, a search warrant was issued for several Malat family properties. The raids took place on May 22, 1994, and the police were able to find Ivan's trophies, such as his victim's identification, foreign money, you know, sleeping bags and other camping gear. They also found a treasure trove of gun ammunition. They also found a long curved cavalry sword 
the one used to decapitate one of his victims. Ivan was arrested and at first he would not cooperate during questioning. Tests were done on the guns he owned and ballistics were a match to the bullets used on the victims. He was charged with seven murders and he pled not guilty. The jury took just three days to return a verdict of guilty on all charges. Now Ivan has always maintained his innocence and he later staged these self-mutilation attacks and hunger strikes to try to get his appeals heard. Ivan passed away from stomach and esophageal cancer in 2019. To me, this was over before it started. Could Ivan have turned out differently to not have been a serial killer? It's hard to say. In my most humble opinion, a few factors would have to take place here. One, I think his parents were in way over their heads having that many children. But I understand that back then, especially being Catholic, they probably didn't believe in birth control, nor could they afford it. Two, the violence his parents displayed did him no favors. Children who watch their parents do violent acts learn that that behavior is acceptable or at the very least, it lessens the negative impact, kind of numbs them to it. Three, with so many children meant very little overall supervision, leaving the older siblings to parent. Ivan and his siblings were left to their own devices, left to self-soothe self-entertain and so on and with little to no constructive direction from adults well with these three factors remedied he might have stood a chance and yet i still believe he made the choice to murder knowing that it was wrong but what do you think leave me a comment on instagram at serial underscore killing or youtube under the same name of this podcast my website is SerialKilling.Squarespace.com, and it's always under construction. I know, I know. Also, consider sponsoring the podcast. It takes a lot of time to make these, but I love it. And thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every one of you, as I know you could be listening to anyone else, but you chose me. Thank you, and have a great day.